Tennessee baseball falls in their College World Series opener 6-3 to LSU here on Saturday night in Omaha, Nebraska. Ryan, this game, talking about the story of this game, it's pretty simple. LSU has a future big leaguer in Paul Skeens, and that dude was brilliant on the mound tonight. Just like he has been all season, he shut Tennessee down, and Tennessee just could not get enough going to win this game. And, you know, LSU's offense got theirs a little bit too, which we talked about in the preview podcast, bound to happen with as many dudes as they got. Pretty simple script here tonight. Yeah, not only a a future big leaguer, but, you know, a a near future big leaguer. I don't think it's going to be super long until that guy finds his way up uh, to the major leagues. And, yeah, he was really dominant tonight and really, really good. And he has been all season. But I think, you know, the thing that stands out with him is just – and we – Tony Vitello talked about it, a abundance of players talked about it post-game, was just really the way he threw his changeup. Uh, that was not one of his heavier used pitches for most of the season. Uh, Jared Dickey, you know, he said he thought it was about a 30% uh, strike rate pitch, you know, threw it a lot low in the zone trying to get punch outs, but not a pitch necessarily he consistently located to get ahead and counts. And he threw it tonight to left-handers, he threw it to right-handers. It was really, really good. And when you're talking about a guy that's throwing – 100 plus deep into the game and he can also throw a nasty nasty off-speed pitch for strike early and counts it, it leaves you uh, pretty defenseless as a hitter yeah you know tony vitello said he threw backwards which i thought was an interesting quote he said throws 100 miles an hour and he throws he threw backwards on our guys from his end you're doing anything you can to advance in the situation and you know he mixed it up and even Paul Skeen said himself he had four pitches all four pitches working for him for a majority of the night tonight and it showed you know, really, Tennessee wasn't flat-out uncompetitive. You know, yeah. I, I don't think that would be a fair assessment of this game. They weren't lifeless. They had a couple singles here and there, but it just wasn't hard contact against Skeens until that eighth inning. They went on to score three runs in that eighth inning when Skeens was, what, over 120 pitches, but really not much going for Tennessee. No, not really. It felt like the first inning was an opportunity. Not that Skeens was bad, but he didn't feel like he was quite – in a rhythm yet, yeah. Um, and Hunter Insley gets Hunter Insley gets an infield hit, so Tennessee got one out of one out, uh, and then Jared Dickey just ropes the ball right at Tommy White at third base, and it's one of those where Tennessee was going to need some breaks tonight to it's, win and beat Paul Skeens, and that's a break that you need to go. You know, I don't, I don't know how many feet he would have had to the left where it would still been fair, but five feet to the left, five feet to the right, get past him, and maybe you have an RBI double and you're up 1-0, and that changes the game and the dynamics of the game a little bit. But uh, it doesn't happen, and Tennessee makes Skeens throw 20 pitches in that first inning, but he was so effective getting ahead in counts early. That obviously, he did get pretty high in his pitch count overall, uh, but for a guy that, what, struck out 12 Tennessee batters? Yep. 12 Tennessee batters. Had seven Ks through three innings, I believe. Yeah, so, yeah, so it wasn't like he was just – you know, out of gas by the fifth or sixth inning. And uh, you're right. I mean, Tennessee was able to get some offense off him in the eighth inning uh, and then off of uh, Gidry or Guidry. I don't remember. I think it's Guidry, yeah. Yeah, who came in uh, off of him. But at that point, I think that's where you kind of point to the pitching staff. Again, it wasn't like Tennessee's pitching staff was bad, uh, but you needed to be within striking distance. So if you got three runs in, in – uh, the eighth inning or late in the game when you got Skeens out of the game, uh, you were 
ahead, tied, you know, right there, and not still two runs behind, basically, which was what happened in the eighth inning for Tennessee. Yeah, here's the deal. I mean, LSU's a team that has arguably the most talented offense in all of college baseball, and then when you have Paul Skeens pitching for him on the mound, they're arguably the best team in college baseball. We talked about on our preview podcast that Tennessee was going to need a stellar Andrew Lindsay outing to probably win this game, or maybe some just insane heroics from the bullpen. That didn't happen tonight. Andrew Lindsay wasn't terrible. He wasn't solid though really either he 72 pitches got taken out there in the bottom of the fourth runners on second and third two outs Combs got a big strikeout that was the only batter he faced to get out of the fourth inning but thoughts on Andrew Lindsay's performance gave up a couple of runs like I said wasn't awful but also far from a memorable performance yeah I think that's exactly right like I think I think he was all right you know I don't think he was bad by any means you know Dugas destroyed that one baseball and even besides that I felt like a lot of LSU's hits off of him were, you know, I, I think in what it was the third inning when he scored a run, two singles that, you know, just not that they weren't hard hit, but ball just grounders that found, you know, a hole in the infield. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, obviously he, they kind of play small ball. A swinging butt moves the runners to second and third, and the sack fly brings them home. So uh, I didn't think he was terrible by any means. I don't think he was even bad, but. Uh, also not as good as the Andrew Lindsay we've been accustomed to seeing pretty consistently the second half of the season and uh, certainly I was you know I think obviously is what you said Tennessee needed a really good outing from him and I do you know I do wonder if he stays in the game he works his way out of it you know maybe he gets another inning deeper and you look okay well that's an Andrew Lindsay stat line that we've seen a hand, good handful of times this year but Obviously, Tony Vitello had a had a pretty quick hook on him, and you know he kind of made it made sense. He mentioned that he was like we were treating that thing like it was the ninth inning, and just with the guy that we were facing on the other side on the mound, we we didn't want to we didn't want to risk anything, and we felt like we couldn't give up any more runs. Right? Yeah. Of course, Combs getting the final strike out there, and you know Tennessee's pitching staff, the way they kind of managed the way Tony Vitello managed this game was a little interesting. No relief pitcher went too long after Combs got out of the fourth inning. We both figured that. Tennessee would pivot to another pitcher, more one of their top bullpen arms in the fifth, and that's what happened with Seth Halverson coming on. It was great in the fifth, then he ran into trouble in the sixth, and then from there, there was no continuity with Tennessee's bullpen. And, you know, Hollis Fanning gave up a home run in the eighth. Cayman Sewell was far from his best in the seventh. Just yeah. nobody really stuck out to, you know, really balance the game for Tennessee, if you will. You're right. It wasn't one of those things that we've seen a lot where, you know, maybe Dolander will struggle a little bit and then hands it to Chase Burns and it's two pitchers combined to go the whole game. And, you know, I think it would have been interesting to see what if Halverson was a little bit sharper if they would have left him in longer. But I think you kind of got past that point and, you know, until the until the eighth inning, Tennessee was down 4-0 and then 5-0. So I don't think Tennessee really wanted to use uh, any of its or ex- not use, but they didn't want to extend its top arms. They certainly weren't going to use Chase Burns at that point, and you know, especially given Sewell's arm soreness, the fact he didn't look great tonight. I don't think they were going to push him uh, too much further either. So you're right; it, it was kind of a team effort. I think you know the one confusing decision was to go with Hollis Fanning in the bottom of the eighth inning after Tennessee had cut the lead to, or deficit to two. Uh, Fanning gives up a home run, but and then they eventually go to AJ Russell to get the final out. But I think it kind of, generally speaking, made sense just because of the fact that Halverson wasn't great. You didn't really have a guy that you could, to your point, pair with Lindsey and get Tennessee super deep into the game. Yeah, and just kind of building off of that, your thoughts on Hollis Fanny coming out in the eighth. I'm so confused about the A.J. Russell situation, and we've talked about this before, where he is not given any indication that he cannot handle 
you know, moments like this, moments against good teams, SEC teams, what have you, but he just hasn't gotten a lot of opportunities when maybe we thought that was going to develop into something. He was going to become one of Tennessee's top bullpen arms as the season went along. But just like Tony Vitello going to Hall of Fame to open the eighth inning, your thoughts on that decision and what that kind of means as, you know, you look past the top bullpen arms, if you will. I think, I mean, I would have gone with Adrian Russell, I guess, to answer your question. And, you know, you're right. It, it is kind of puzzling. and But it's been pretty consistent, too. And none of Combs or Fanning or Russell have been our top bullpen arms. But when you kind of go down the pecking order, it does feel like Russell's been a little bit behind them. And I do think some of that's situational. I think they like being able to go to Combs in the middle of innings, kind of the same way to go to Kirby Cannell. They like his off-speed stuff. They think uh, that's kind of a... A nice change of pace to throw at batters after you know facing a guy like Seth Halverson or in this case Andrew Lindsay who was throwing the ball really hard uh, and they feel like he's a good strikeout guy, um, but it, it it feels like they don't they want to give Russell clean inning. It's kind of the vibe I get. Yeah, not no high leverage situations. No high leverage situations. Not going to put him in you know when a runner is on base. But at the same time, I say that that's been a general feel I've had. But, I mean, it was a clean inning for Hollis Fanning that Hollis Fanning got over A.J. Russell. So, uh, obviously, um, that was, you know, I, I guess the packing order. And I guess the one thing you could say is maybe Tennessee, and I don't know if this is true at all, uh, but you could argue maybe Tennessee got caught a little flat-footed by the fact they scored three runs. And, you know, they were down by five runs. They said maybe they were thinking, well, we'll just throw Fanning. Uh, we, Bottom you know, of the order, too. Yeah, we don't want to, you know, throw for A.J. LSU. AJ yeah. Russell or something, burn him in this instance. I don't really think that's the case just because of what everything I've just said. It's kind of been indicated, or just the way they use guys kind of indicates that Combs and Fanning had been a little bit ahead of him in the pecking order, but you know that would be kind of the one other possible theory. Yeah, well, I guess there's no really a lot of reason to get too into depth of the pecking order in the bullpen. As Tennessee's got an elimination game on Monday against Stanford. Of course, Stanford lost to Wake Forest earlier today. Tennessee losing to LSU, losers of those two matchups. Playing the elimination game Monday. That game time is 2 p.m. Eastern there on ESPN. <laughs> Ryan, Tennessee faced Paul Skeens tonight. They got they had the misfortune of playing LSU first. Well, now they have the misfortune of having to face Quinn Matthews, Stanford's ace, who they held today, did not throw him today against Wake Forest. And Skeens and Matthews, top two strikeouts uh, pitchers in college baseball. So... <laughs> It's a little easier, but not much easier for Tennessee's offense on Monday. No, not much easier at all. And I think you know the hope has to be that this guy threw 156 pitches last week. Matthews did against Texas. He threw over 170 in two combined outings in the regional. And you know I'm sure that's probably why he didn't throw until today is to, or isn't going to throw until Monday was to get him a little bit more rest. But I think it's kind of Tennessee's hope is that he's not going to be. Uh, you know, quite at 100% or maybe running out of gas. I think you did, or you could at least argue we saw that last weekend with Tanner Hall for Southern Miss, who had thrown yeah. a ton the week before. Very true. And Tennessee was able to kind of jump on him, and it was his worst outing, really, of his Southern Miss career. So I think that's the hope for Tennessee, but certainly uh, even, you know, for Matthews, it's going to turn into, what, a eight-day or seven-day rest. I think it was on Sunday when he threw uh, in that – uh, Stanford Super Regional, so it's going to be a really tough task. It's another left-hander, similar in vindicating Rice from Clemson, just because it's not an overpowering fastball. You know, low 90s fastball, he locates well, and then really good off-speed stuff. But that's going to be a uh, really, really tough challenge. 
for Tennessee, and but at the same time, so it so is it for Stanford, who's going to have to face Chase Dolander and then Chase Burns out of the bullpen. Two two really good arms for Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, is there anybody else if you're Tennessee you want the fate of your season lying with other than Chase Dolander? It was like that against Southern Miss. He can't, you know, it was a little rocky to start, but then delivered, of course, late, and then now it happens again here in Omaha. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you could maybe argue Drew Beam, too, just because yeah. he did it again also with the right. fate of the season at Southern Miss on the line and was really good. And obviously it wasn't the fate of the season on the line, but South Carolina, that regular season finale in a spot where Tennessee really needed him after losing kind of a heartbreaker in game one of the doubleheader, and they finally got over that winning on the road hump. So uh, it's, you know, those are two really good guys. And, you know, you're looking at it, Tennessee's got a hole to climb out of. The first step, obviously, is winning on Monday and winning on Tuesday. Well, the arms that you're going to see most predominantly, Chase Dolander, Chase Burns, Drew Beam, those were Tennessee's pitchers. Those were their guys. I mean, they had a lot of good pitchers we knew going into the season, but those were, were one, two, and three, and Tennessee will put their trust in them. And much like we said uh, going into this game, probably won't be quite as dramatic, but they're going to need them to be really good because they're going to face a really good pitcher that's going to be very challenging to scratch a lot of offense on and get out against. Yeah, and I mean, you look at the bullpen, of course, Chase Burns, top arm you think of, but outside of Lindsey, everyone's going to be relatively fresh. Halverson only, he was the most of the bullpen arms tonight, throwing 31 pitches. He'll definitely be able to give you at least an inning probably early next week. So, you know, Tennessee's bullpen is fresh as well, which bodes well for them. One last thing I want to touch on tonight's game, I've seen this floating around social media. Why didn't Tennessee throw Chase Dolander in this game? Tennessee's had a certain rotation they've used, and maybe you think Chase Olander should have thrown tonight. You kind of said that on a preview pod, but there's really not a lot of logic in changing up the rotation, I think, when you come at it from a Tony Vitello standpoint. And also, why didn't Tennessee use Chase Burns was a question floated around a lot. you got to remember, the season's on the line Monday. Yeah. You, you want to burn Chase Burns in a game where Paul Skeens is absolutely shoving on the other side, and this is pro- one of the best offenses in college baseball? I don't know if Tennessee wins the game if they bring in Chase Burns at any point, you know? so just Yeah, I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't hardly do anything, the Chase right. Burns one. Like, I, I think you could argue Tennessee was in the – I don't really think, actually, I don't think you can argue it given the fact that they came back. But at a point in this game, I think you could have argued Tennessee was too aggressive with their pitchers to use Camden Sewell and Seth Halverson in a game you were down yeah, no, 5 totally. nothing, like or 4 nothing, I guess, when Sewell came in. So, like, you could argue that. You certainly weren't going to throw Burns uh, in a game like that when you were already down multiple runs. And then with the Dillinger thing, like, yeah, I mean, I, I said it on our preview. That's, that's who I would have pitched, but at the same time, it wasn't like I thought that was a no-brainer decision, and I understood the logic. I mean, Andrew Lindsay has been, to use the Tony Vitello phrase, he's been a guy that's led, led Tennessee in the battle. Uh, the back half of the season has done a really good job of it, uh, and I think I think that doesn't send a good message. I might have said this on the preview podcast, I can't remember. I don't think it really sends a good message to the team about your confidence in them. That All right, this has been our winning formula. Well, we don't think that's good enough now. We don't, we're here in Omaha at the big stage. We don't think that's good enough. So I understand why you don't do that, and... Uh, certainly, again, I, just reiterating thoughts from our preview podcast, but Chase Dolan, their ceiling's higher. He can be more dominant than Andrew Lindsay, but it's not like Andrew Lindsay hasn't had starts this year where he has, has been really dominant and really, really good. So uh, that wasn't, I don't think, it, an easy decision by any means, and certainly I completely understand why, why Tennessee and Tony Vitello rolled with Andrew Lindsay and can kind of continue the theme that they have the back half of the season. Got to give props to Hunter Inslee for tonight's performance. He went three or four at the plate. Had the two-run homer in the eighth that, you know, it's Tennessee tried to get that comeback attempt going. 
Also went two for two to start off the night, had a couple of RBIs. And then, of course, Aaron Combs, someone who's kind of flown under the radar for Tennessee these past couple of games, had the big strikeout against Southern Miss leadoff hitter. And then tonight got out of the fourth inning, like I mentioned earlier. So he's faced two batters, yeah. <laughs> you know, in the past what, five days and two big strikeouts. So Aaron Combs, th- this is also, you know, Credit to Tony Vitale bringing him in those situations too. Yeah, I mean it's paid off, and it was very similar situations both of them were in. Uh, Combs just diced up good hitters both times, so uh, he was really impressive. He's the guy that clearly Tennessee has a lot of faith faith in in those moments, and uh, I think it's you know very plausible that we're going to see him again in a similar moment uh, as Tennessee goes on in Omaha, especially if they are to to win on Monday and have to play more games. I, I think you'll probably see more of Aaron Combs. Any final thoughts from tonight's 6-3 to three loss and maybe a little prediction for Monday afternoon's game? Yeah, I mean, I think the guy we just haven't discussed, Hunter Ensley, who played had a fantastic game tonight. He had three of, what, Tennessee's seven hits? Yeah, three of Tennessee's seven hits. The one time he was out, it was a really good defensive play yep. uh, by LSU shortstop. He has not really been a power hitter for Tennessee, especially the back half of the season. He hits a two-run home run out in this big ballpark, not to dead center, but to center field, deep part of the 414, yeah. Yeah, so he got all that one. He was really, really good. Um, and then on the prediction front, like, you know, I'll think about it, but I, I kind of like Tennessee. I mean, it's hard to say. It's one of those things where we're Tennessee beat writers, so we're coming from from the Tennessee perspective. And and Stanford's in the Pac-12. We're not watching a lot of Pac-12 yeah, we're not baseball. We're watching a lot of Pac-12 baseball, and it's yeah, Tennessee's responded really well. They're going to have two their two most talented pitchers, two of their best pitchers uh, that are going to be able to throw uh, in Monday. So you feel good about it. You know, you kind of look at it neutrally. It's like, well, Stanford's got the race. Uh, they have also responded well to adversity. They dropped game one uh, of the Super Regional against Texas last weekend. So uh, it's two teams that have a lot of veterans on it and uh, aren't going to want their season to end. So it's baseball. It'll you know largely be a toss up, but. Uh, I, the way, even just the way Tennessee responded tonight, not folding over down 5-0, I think said a lot about. Oh, fought, yeah, yeah, said a lot about how this team has matured and grown over the course of the season. I think they'll continue that, and, and my early thought is I have some confidence in them to get a win. Well, Tennessee has overcome adversity this postseason many times already. Of course, going on the road to win the Clemson Regional, winning games two and th- three against Southern Miss in the Super, and then Tony Vitello saying tonight. Chase, I want to see Drew Bean pitch again, and so does Chase Dolander, and that's who is going to get the ball for Tennessee on Monday afternoon against Stanford. For Ryan Shepard, I'm Jack Foster. That'll do it for this Rocket Top Insider Press Pass Instant Reaction Podcast to Tennessee's loss to LSU to open their College World Series appearance here in Omaha. We'll be back with you guys on Monday.